Hello, and welcome to Met Makes Conversation, the podcast series of Boston University's Metropolitan College that's focused on examining critical questions and challenges facing us today through the lens of our faculty experts and practitioners in the field. I'm Nathaniel Bradley, and I'm here with professors Janan Gunesh Chorlu and Barry Lin from Metropolitan College's Supply Chain Management Program, who are graciously joining me to talk about supply chains and some of the challenges facing the industry today, as well as solutions emerging from those challenges and demand for talent in the field. Professor Chorlu is coordinator of the supply chain management programs at BU's Metropolitan College. Her main areas of research relate to the design and analysis of stochastic simulations with applications in finance, inventory management, agri-food supply chains, pharmaceutical supply chains, and biomanufacturing, among other areas. Her work has appeared in a variety of journals, including Operations Research, Journal of Simulation, and International Journal of Production Research. Professor Lin is the president and founder of Supply Chain 411 Corp. He has over 30 years of global supply chain management expertise, working with startups to global multinational corporations. He is a subject matter expert in low-cost country sourcing, negotiating, procurement, cost reductions, contract manufacturing strategies and execution, supply and strategic planning, inventory management, supply chain risk assessments, forecasting, import-export, distribution, third-party logistics, and contractual supply and service agreements. Professor Chorlu, Professor Lin, thank you for taking the time to be with us today. Well, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. I agree. Thank you, Nathaniel, for inviting us to join the podcast. So I'd like to start with the basics uh, by asking you to give us a broad overview of supply chains. Supply chains are networks of interrelated companies who collaborate to leverage strengths and efficiencies, and they work together to minimize risks and to gain a competitive advantage. The weakest link in the supply chain can impact the entire supply chain performance. Competition is not just between companies anymore, but it's between supply chains. One small hiccup may impact another operation and ultimately the end customer. What we teach in my class is that supply chain mission is to deliver the right quality product at the right time to the right place with the right paperwork to meet or exceed customer expectations at the lowest total supply chain cost in order to gain a competitive advantage. In the service of this mission, uh, the manager of a supply chain would have to successfully oversee a variety of operations and functions, I gather. Yes, that's correct. The supply chain can consist of both internal and external operations such as your suppliers and their suppliers, or we call them sub-suppliers. Uh, manufacturing processes, um, which um, can include contract manufacturers and also service providers. Distribution systems, uh, such as warehousing, logistics, and customer service. And customers can be uh, who you sell directly to, could be a wholesaler or a retailer, or it could be the end customer, um, and service and repair operations. The supply chain's responsibilities uh, can include um, some or all of the following functions. Uh, demand management, such as forecasting, sourcing and procurement, inventory management, uh, data management, production planning and scheduling, cash flow management, cost reductions, capacity planning, risk management, business continuity planning, strategic planning. These are the different uh, functions that we uh, teach at the BU College, and I hope this helps you understand what a supply chain is. Thank you. Yes, it does. As a consumer, 
one might not consider the complex functions and operations of a supply chain at all until it's disrupted. COVID-19 certainly had a disruptive effect. What was learned? Well, we learned a lot from the pandemic. Um, companies with weak supply chains and no contingency plans, they were hit the hardest. A lot of people thought that a lean company, because they don't carry excess inventory and they focus on minimizing waste, so they assumed that a lean company might suffer more during the pandemic. However, um, I know some lean companies um, that have very effective risk mitigation strategies, and they actually suffered less during the pandemic, even though they have a lean supply chain, because what they're doing is they're monitoring their supply chain risks and they're maintaining effective mitigation strategies since they're so dependent on other companies. We know that sales forecasts are predictions based on sales history of what future demand is gonna be. And we can look back at history and we can come up with uh, ways of handling variations in, in uh, demand with safety stocks under normal circumstances. But the global pandemic um, was a force majeure event and it was not normal. During the pandemic, demand was unpredictable. We saw huge swings in demand because of hoarding and shutdowns. Companies who lost their demand needed to change or they wouldn't survive. So we saw restaurants going to take out food because customers weren't coming to the restaurants to sit and eat. We saw automobile plants that started to produce um, needed respirators. We saw commercial packaged products that needed to change to consumer packaging, like toilet paper. Instead of focusing on long-term demand history to predict future demand, which was normal, we needed to reset and focus on short-term demand and changing trends. These were very challenging times for the supply chain, and they demonstrated great resilience. Thank you. It brings me to the question of risk. How big a role does risk management play in overseeing a supply chain? Uh, quite a bit. Companies need to um, constantly assess potential supply chain risks from the likelihood of, of occurrences and the potential impact to their, their business and their bottom line. And then they need to implement mitigation strategies where necessary to minimize those risks. I recall uh, working in a, a billion-dollar pharmaceutical company on a drug that was impacted by a low-cost lubricant that was single-sourced. No one ever considered that a mere lubricant could be so important to a supply chain until production was impacted. What we learned is that you needed to assess the potential risk and impact associated with every material used in production, including single source subsuppliers, in order to minimize potential supply disruptions. Another uh, recall is during the pandemic, um, a company that I know of um, had multiple approved sources, which they were unable to obtain materials from due to the pandemic and because their relationship with those suppliers were what we call a uh, arm's length or one-off kind of a purchase order relationship. They didn't have contracts in place. They didn't have blanket POs. They didn't even have what I would call strong supply relationships. So they had no choice when they couldn't get supply. They had to go to an unknown potential source. This was actually in China to sustain their business. They needed to be careful and move fast to evaluate new source of supply and the quality of the product. In this case, they needed to use um, uh, an international auditor that was located in China because they couldn't get there. They couldn't fly there to assess the supplier. New suppliers also require, may require cash up front, which adds more concern to the buyer who has never dealt with the supplier before. You gotta remember that during this time, prices are totally unstable because uh, demand exceeds supply. So the longer you wait, 
the, the greater likelihood that the prices are going to be higher or that they may run out, of, run out of supply. So there was no guarantee that the product would even arrive on time or be acceptable from a quality perspective, but they had no choice but to take, take a chance on a new potential supplier. What companies and maybe what, what kind of practices uh, that they employed fared best in the pandemic environment? Well, it's kind of the opposite. Companies that had strong working relationships and supply contracts did much better in obtaining materials than companies with those one-off purchases. Buyers who were dealing with global suppliers, um, which is to have multiple plants in multiple countries, did better than uh, during the pandemic than companies that only had local sources, like one supplier with one plant. The supply chain is only as strong as the weakest link. So the more um, supply sourcing options you have, uh, the stronger your supply chain is going to be. When you have limited supply, like during the pandemic, then you need to manage demand. And I know many companies that had to limit their purchases and prioritize their key customers, like we saw, you know, hospital workers and healthcare workers, and provide reliable and frequent communications as best they could to their uh, customer base. Uh, speaking about communications, let me tell you about a study that was done several years ago, where they asked customers if they would reorder from a supplier who delivered one or two days late, but didn't notify their customer that the product would be late, or would they prefer uh, reordering from a supplier who delivered one week late, but informed their customer prior to the due date, and they met their updated promise date. And the customers preferred overwhelmingly supplier number two, because they could adjust their plans if they are given advance notice on shipment delays, and a supplier was viewed as much more dependable in meeting their commitments. I also know of a company who was unable to supply product uh, to their customers and decided to refer their customers to a competitor with the hope that the uh, customers would return when they were able to resupply. We always need to focus on the customer or else we won't have a business. During the pandemic, we learned the importance of robust supply chain operations and the benefits of having risk mitigation strategies and business continuity plans. We also realized the importance of having strong supply chain relationships and trust to address supply issues and a greater appreciation for agile supply chains and the ability to think outside the box and adapt to change quickly and effectively to capture new opportunities. Thank you, Professor Lin. I have a question uh, related to the pandemic uh, for Professor Chorlu. Uh, how is the COVID-19 disruption different from a disruption caused by natural disasters, terrorism, war, or trade disputes, for example? Sure. Um, natural disasters like terrorism, trade disputes, and events alike, they're local. Um, they come quickly, and we can usually say, see their impact quickly. For instance, when a tornado or an earthquake hits an area, it only hits that local area for a certain period of time. Uh, people can immediately start responding to it. And in fact, um, countries may help each other when a disaster hits uh, one of them. On the contrary, pandemics like COVID-19, they're global. They grow, they linger for a while, and they may look like they disappeared, but they can come back. And unfortunately, this is what we're experiencing now. So we're um, talking about a longer time horizon. Pandemics hit different parts of the world in different times. As we all know, COVID first appeared in Wuhan, China in late 2019. Then it gradually hit other parts of the world. 
And um, there seems to be no country who has not been affected from COVID to one way or, or another. And um, because every country is dealing with this disruption, it becomes difficult for countries to be able to help each other. For example, all countries were in need of masks, hand sanitizers, and products of that type, and the lack of supply and the surge in demands in these items um, suddenly became a global issue. Um, so another difference that I see is that uh, local disasters, uh, in, in local disasters, the type of response is usually trivial to figure out. And the economic damage can usually be quantified e easily uh, compared to pandemics. Uh, but because pandemics linger around for a while and because they move gradually, it's challenging to be able to quantify the damage. In fact, um, how we respond to pandemics determines the damage made to the economy. Some of the common responses or strategies to deal with the pandemic uh, is like to close all places where people can gather, limit movements of people, or you know, those shelter-in-place orders. And these had uh, big impacts on businesses. It, it impacted the way that companies conduct business and it you know, ultimately impacted the unemployment rates. And today we're still um, dealing with these issues. It seems like we've been dealing issues for, for that we've seen that have been uh, out there since the last year, since March, 2020, uh, where we've, we've witnessed several highly visible disruptions to the supply chain. COVID-19 caused a shock to the system as consumers hoarded supplies and manufacturers are hit by fallout from the pandemic. A flow of raw materials from China was interrupted, causing production issues. But then later, the massive cargo ship ever given ran aground in the Suez Canal, blocking passage to a vital trade route for six days. How vulnerable are supply chains to breakdowns and what can be done to mitigate risk? Are there fail-safe mechanisms managers can employ to avoid interruptions? Yes, international supply chains are at a much higher risk than domestic supply chains due to a number of risk factors, uh, which can include terrorism, uh, violence, crime rates, political unrest, corruption, different government regulations, blockades, labor strikes, natural disasters, and their infrastructure. Uh, what we can do in supply chain is we can implement strategies to safeguard us against one-off logistics disruptions where a shipment is delayed or lost with proper planning by having enough inventory in reserve until a replacement shipment arrives. Um, I've had shipments in, that are stolen. Um, I had an ocean shipment that was hit by an iceberg. I've had quality issues and temperature control issues, et cetera. We can work with our um, international partners to have them hold shipments in reserve just in case there's a logistic uh, issue. Supply contracts or blanket purchase orders are financial commitments. And we use those to mitigate supply risks and to clarify who's responsible for what. Also having good working relationships and sharing information goes a long way in preventing one-off supply disruptions. Supply chains can uh, mitigate regional risks like a natural uh, disaster, a hurricane or tornado or typhoon with global manufacturers and having suppliers in other regions of the world who can provide the same product or an alternate uh, source of, of supply or an alternate material. During a global pandemic event uh, where supply is limited across the globe, we need to limit demand and prioritize and allocate our limited supply until capacity can be restored. 
we may need to consider other alternate sources, our alternate packaging, our alternate materials to sustain production, and also consider uh, partnering with our competitors like uh, Moderna did with, uh, with Roche. We saw a lot of that at the beginning of the pandemic as panicked consumers bought up supplies of masks and protective equipment, hand sanitizer, and maybe most notoriously toilet paper. And the uh, public was suddenly faced with rationing or worse, bare shelves. How well is this disruption handled by supply chain managers and what tools might they have used in doing so? And could there have been a better foresight or risk management? Disruptive events like COVID-19 happen very rarely. So I think it's fair to say that most companies do not prioritize these type of events. And so they're not totally prepared for those type of events. In fact, it's um, almost impossible to be totally prepared for a pandemic, which is at a global scale. And what is important for companies is that how they react you know, to it and, and, and how they handle uh, such disruptions. Uh, companies usually keep safety stocks which are um, you know, mainly excess inventory to deal with uncertainties in demand. If there's some increase in demand, then safety stocks help to cover that increase. But during the pandemic, uh, safety stocks were not helpful themselves because um, the surge in demand for masks and protective equipment, and it was just huge. And suddenly the world was um, in big need of these products. So it, and it is really challenging to deal with that type of surge. Not surprisingly, existing suppliers of these products were not able to keep up with, with the new demand. And how did companies deal with this? We saw similar industries stepping up and helping with producing masks, protective equipment, and hand sanitizer. For example, several retailers and manufacturers who were not mask producers before COVID, they started producing masks and distributing them. Um, similarly, we saw several car manufacturers helping with producing much needed ventilators. And we saw distilleries making hand sanitizers. So that's one thing, you know, uh, how, how companies dealt with that type of surge. Companies also um, had to shape the demand for certain products. For example, again, masks, protective equipment, hand sanitizers, you know, as we all know, they were much more needed by first responders in healthcare settings in the beginning of the pandemic. So therefore, we um, as consumers, we were not able to reach those items. And when we had access to them, we were not able to get as many as we wanted to get. So we were able to purchase only one box of hand sanitizer when we indeed wanted to have like a dozen of them. So in a nutshell, companies stepping up to increase supply and controlling the demand for certain items allowed everyone to have access to these much needed products in the beginning um, of the pandemic. I'd like to add that during the pandemic, we saw the best and the worst in people and companies. Some hoarded products and were greedy. Others reached out with kindness and offered help. We saw many companies show compassion to their employees and their customers. However, not all companies survived the pandemic, but those who did are now stronger and more resilient. What kind of challenges do you foresee for supply chains coming up and how can future managers prepare? So of course there will be challenges, but with challenges come opportunities. So I see them more like, you know, opportunities. So let me talk um, about a couple 
of those opportunities that I think are awaiting supply chains and uh, supply chain managers. Uh, the first one is e-commerce and omnichannel retailing. Uh, companies were experimenting with both, uh, but with COVID, um, e-commerce gained a lot of importance. Several companies who didn't sell a single product online, they had to set up a system which will allow them to do the online transaction. And if you're selling online, then you need to think about how to develop your online capabilities, how to deliver items to customers' hands. So it's a whole network that you need to uh, build there. And, and it is challenging. Omnichannel retailing, it's definitely you know, an opportunity for companies, but you need to think about which products to carry in your physical store and which products to carry in your online store. And from which warehouse should you fulfill a certain demand? Will you be able to compete with existing players in the market who already have the online capabilities and the structure? So there's a lot of opportunities there. Um, the second opportunity that I see is uh, the increase in automation efforts. So as the buying habits of consumers change, um, we see that companies are putting more efforts to automate their supply chains. Automation is not new. Uh, but it just made so much sense um, for companies during the COVID era because, you know, it reduced human contact, for example, and which was very important, as, as we all know. We see also an increase in the use of robots for several purposes. Um, the use of robots was on the rise before COVID, but COVID just accelerated their use, mostly because robots don't get sick. They don't need to follow social distancing rules. They're not you know, affected from the virus. So again, it just made so much sense to use robots in warehouses and for last mile deliveries. But you know, there, there are a lot of questions that are still being expected to be explored there. But of course, with those questions come, I think, a lot of good opportunities. The third opportunity is um, additive manufacturing or 3D printing. Uh, which thrived with the pandemic. It allowed companies to increase their capabilities and uh, their capacities for some products, like the critical products, um, including face shields, masks, ventilator parts, and so on. And companies are still experimenting with this technology. So there'll be a lot of questions to be explored and, and hurdles to be overcome there. I would like to touch on supplier management a little bit. Uh, it became one of the most important topics during the pandemic. It is indeed a very classical topic that we cover in our supply chain management class, but it is importance has been just emphasized uh, during, uh, during COVID. Like which suppliers should we work with? Onshore or offshore suppliers? Do we need redundant suppliers? You know, these type of questions had to be answered by companies and they are still being answered. Finally, blockchain is another technology that I think is emerging with uh, several benefits. So it's really exciting times for the field of supply chain management. Now, when it comes to supply chain leaders in the future, I think it will be important to be able to react quickly to changing factors such as changing market conditions, changing customer buying behaviors and so on. And the winners will be those companies who react quickly and who turn the challenge into an opportunity um, to grow further.
I agree with you, Janan, that supply chains who are agile and can react quickly to change were able to take advantage of new opportunities and they were able to minimize their risks. It's very difficult to turn a large ship, so smaller companies have an advantage. The supply chain needs to assess the situation and propose options. Companies who procrastinate will suffer. Supply chains with agility, analytical capabilities, and risk mitigation strategies are best prepared for challenges. Speaking of challenges, as more digital technologies utilized, for instance, cloud platforms, big data analytics, uh, the Internet of Things, do other difficulties arise? Is data security an increasing vulnerability for supply chains, for instance? Data security has always been an ongoing issue for supply chains. Since we depend on the accurate and timely information across multiple sites to make the best decisions possible, supply chains need to protect their data from corruption and shared data among their trading partners to increase supply chain effectiveness. As technologies evolve, there will be new threats, and we need to find ways to protect our data and systems from corruption. Data security needs to be part of our risk assessment program. We need to ensure that the servers are backed up regularly and tapes are kept off-site. We need to ensure that the servers are physical, secure, and virtually secure, and that their environments, their temperature and humidity is appropriate. We have to have proper alarm systems to be effective in uh, notifying us when things go astray. Viruses and firewall security needs to be maintained to protect data from intruders. My experience is in the pharmaceutical industry, and we're facing uh, right now uh, counterfeit drugs on a big scale issue. And um, like uh, Kenan um, referred to, we're, we're looking at blockchain technology to track and trace inventory transactions from factory to patient to prevent counterfeit drugs from being used. Trading partners would collaborate using blockchain technology in sharing transaction data. And this would help us to verify products and identify counterfeit products. Blockchain technology, which is used in uh, Bitcoin and other currencies, is highly secure and nearly impossible to tamper with. It uses a distributed ledger technology across all trading partners and transactions are validated. Note, there's no single owner of the data and no one user can change the record of transactions. Blockchain technology is very exciting and can also be used by supply chains to help identify what inventory exists real-time across trading partners, which would allow us to shift or move inventories to address an immediate demand and also to help us to reduce waste. In the pharmaceutical industry, products have a limited shelf life. And if we share information, then we have an opportunity to use the uh, drugs before they expire. Also in pharmaceuticals, um, we typically destroy our returns. But if we know the condition of where it was stored and the temperatures and how it was controlled, we might have an opportunity to reuse returns. There's a lot of opportunities uh, with blockchain technology in the future, I think. Thank you, Professor Lin. We've frequently heard about the bullwhip effect during the pandemic. Professor Chorlu, can you explain what it is and how supply chains experience it? Uh, sure. Bullwhip basically refers to distortions in perceived demand that increase as decisions move upstream. And what do I mean by moving upstream here is that um, I mean moving from consumer level to the factory level in a supply chain. So if we have in our supply chain, like, you know, consumers buying from retailers, buying from wholesalers, you know, buying from distributors, and then finally the factory level. So as we go from consumer to factory, we're, we're going upstream. 
So let me give you an example here to explain how supply chains experience bullwhip effect and how we did experience it uh, during, during the COVID era. Let's look at a typical product. And because we heard a lot about toilet papers in the beginning of the pandemic. So, you know, let's take our toilet paper as our product here. So um, the retailer sells certain number of packages every day and it carries uh, some inventory of toilet papers. And when the retailer sees a surge in demand, like everybody wants to buy, you know, toilet papers, it will likely sell all of its inventory and it will sell even more. Now the retailer has the has to order from the wholesaler in an amount that will satisfy its new big demand and that will also restore its inventories. And if the retailer thinks that this search will last, um, then it will order even more just to be able to satisfy the expected uh, huge demand in the, in the near future. Now, the wholesaler sees you know, a surge in demand from the retailer and the wholesaler will act similar to the retailer, right? So the wholesaler has a similar thought process and the distributor will do the same and finally comes the factory. So the demand that the factory sees will be amplified and it will be very different from the actual demand that the retailer sees. And as a result, we see you know, a lot of inventories forming in different parts of a supply chain and this leads to inefficiencies in supply chains. And the companies that are hit most from this are the ones that are upstream, like the factory in this example. So the factory finds itself producing in huge amounts, and those amounts are actually very far away from the actual, um, from the real demand. So bullet effect, it's not a new phenomenon. So I'd like to mention that it's been an issue that supply chains have been dealing with. And in fact, we used to teach it in our supply chain class. I teach it every semester with a game that illustrates how bullwhip effect forms in a supply chain. So it's like an eye opener for um, a lot of students. But this phenomenon, it's been highlighted with COVID and several companies um, experienced it at a bigger scale because of the sudden and sharp increase or decrease in the demands of uh, certain products. Thank you. I'm gonna change gears here to ask what industries are looking to hire supply chain managers and are there particular skills gaps that we need to train for? Uh, Professor Lin, what kind of roles might one expect to fill with a graduate degree in supply chain management, such as the one available through Boston University's Metropolitan College? Uh, thank you. Uh, supply chain field is very hot right now, and I believe this will continue uh, since many companies and industries have learned the hard way of the importance of a strong supply chain from the pandemic. Um, I know of uh, many senior supply chain managers that are moving up to new opportunities, and this makes room for others to enter the field. Um, I also believe that uh, supply chain will be elevated in more companies to the C-level suite. Companies are seeking supply chain managers and consultants with knowledge and experience to help improve their operations. BU students can share their internships and capstone project experience to demonstrate their capabilities and experience in working with companies to help solve real problems. Uh, let me share with you a, a note I received uh, from one of our students who was recently hired as an operations management position with Amazon upon graduation with his master's degree. He said, 
The majority of the preparation I did for this interview was to review the class material provided to me throughout your course. Apparently, the interview went well because I wound up doing two more interviews that day and was formally offered less than 24 hours later. I have no doubt that I owe this opportunity to both of you. Your class had both the breadth and depth needed to understand and speak intelligently about operations. What a great testimonial. Thank you. Uh, what are your thoughts on careers and skills gap, Professor Chorlu? Yeah, I, I agree with uh, Barry. Um, during the pandemic, we've seen risk management gaining importance. Um, logistics and transportation operations have seen numerous challenges. So companies are working on improving their logistics operations. Also, it became more important than ever to be able to use right analytical tools, for example, to sense the demand and to respond to it. So risk management, logistics, and analytics are hot areas today um, in, the air, in, in supply chain management. So at BU, our supply chain students can choose from three concentration areas, and those areas are analytics, logistics, and risk management. Our students gain knowledge in all supply chain operations and functions from both a quantitative and a qualitative perspective. And more importantly, they learn how to apply uh, their education, as, as Barry mentioned. So I believe that we, you know, BU Metropolitan College, we are responding to the transformation in the area of a supply chain with our revamped supply chain management program. So as the industry and the trends are changing, our curriculum and the degree that we're offering are changing to meet the demands of the industry. So I believe that our graduates will be confident in helping companies to improve their supply chains uh, by, by following um, the recent trends. There's one more thing I'd like to mention about our supply chain management curriculum and how it applies, um, you know, basically how in real world, our students have an opportunity to earn a Lean Six Sigma Greenbelt certificate, um, which focuses on minimizing waste and delivering products or services to end customers in a way that the product or the service uh, meets or exceeds the customer needs. And achieving this, you know, getting the certificate, it significantly increases the value of the student um, in the workplace. Thank you. That's a great opportunity. I'd like to end with a question about what the global supply chain might look like in a post-pandemic world. Will it be more resilient? During the pandemic, we've seen almost every part of a supply chain being impacted, you know, from this big disruption. We've seen big changes in demands, for several items, and we've seen changes in, in supply of several items. We've also uh, seen a lot of difficulties in transportation and logistics. So I believe that for companies, a lot of learning had to happen in a very limited amount of time. Risk management gained importance. For example, some companies realized that they didn't have a proper risk management system and they didn't have like a business continuity plan in place. Others realized that they have them, but you know, they were just on paper. And, you know, based on the lessons learned, we see that a lot of companies are revamping their supply chains in several ways. So I expect that we will have more resilient supply chains in the future. And I think not only resilient, but more flexible and more agile supply chains in the future. In fact, those companies who were able to handle the disruption and who even thrived were the ones who were able to react quickly to the changing environment. Thank you, 
Professor Janan Churu and Professor Barry Lin for sharing your time and your insights with us. It certainly sounds like a bright future for supply chain management professionals. Uh, for more information about supply chain management graduate programs at Boston University's Metropolitan College, please visit www.bu.edu. Professors, thank you again.